Looking for coffee that can finally give you the flavor and experience that you've been missing? Then your next coffee order should be from SeasteakCoffee.com. Seasteak Coffee is premium, hand-selected, highest-grade available coffee that is roasted, unordered, delivered fresh to you. And right now, you can take 10% off your order by using the quote code GRIND. That's G-R-I-N-D and the number 10 for 10% off your Seasteak Coffee order. Head over to SeasteakCoffee.com so you can enjoy the smoothest and most caffeinated coffee available. Start your day off right with Sea State Coffee. This week on the Route 16 Grind. In the outdoor update, Ethan will cover the fate of the Pennsylvania teen involved in the viral deer torture video. And from the field, Ethan and I will talk about what's to come after turkey season. Instructor One from Riker USA covers something we all do, packing. In the rock, mud, and dirt, I talked to you about a podcast and YouTube channel that if you have 10 minutes, you should check out. Then we wrap up the show with a cup of joe. Route 16 Grind, Episode 22. Damn turkeys. The Route 16 Grind is sponsored by Sea State Coffee, Warren Industries, Tuffy Security Products, and Route 16 Off-Road. The Route 16 Grind, the podcast for outdoor adventurers. Each week, we bring you information related to off-road and outdoor activities. If you wheel, hunt, fish, overland, or are an all-around adventurer, this podcast is for you. Each week, we pour a cup of sea steak coffee and talk about informative topics, the gear, and the training that can help you have a successful outdoor adventure. We have amazing contributors and some great conversation. So, grab your cup and enjoy the show. Here are your What's, What's up? going on, everybody? Oh, man. I knew we were going to do it. I knew man. it. Man. We even talked about that's what's great about this. We even talked about it and we still messed it up. But it's cool though, man. We're both excited about the show. <laughs> I'm I'm stoked, Brian. It's great to be back. How was your week? Another another good week here to report. Yeah, definitely. I you know what I have not been as busy. So yard work in order. Uh we had another pile of rocks that was delivered, and now I'm trying to fill in part of the side of my house and stuff like that. Um, went hunting. We're going to talk a little bit about that, uh, and from the field, but it's been a pretty good last few days, man. I mean, it, it is last week. I should say it's been pretty good. I got a little bit of time to just truly relax and, and enjoy some other things. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of slowed down and, and not focused on all the craziness going on. Absolutely. And I mean, I, so a really weird thing is, you know, I felt like up until this last week here, I haven't, I didn't see a huge uh, deficiency in a lot of the logistics and goods. But I tell you what, those stores in the last week or two, those shelves are getting pretty bare, and I don't see a whole lot of restocking happening as far as like essential items of toiletries and uh, produces and I, you know meats and stuff like that. I don't know what's going on. I think you got to have your spots. So I got my spots where I know I need to get some stuff and all that. You got to be in the know, man. You got to be in the know. But you're also in an area, I think, that has a larger population. Uh, that's I, like I think that. that's another thing. Whereas for me, I'm a little bit out there. So 
our supplies don't go as quickly is probably a way to say it. And then like, yeah, we can, we can talk offline. I can tell you about some stuff, but, hey, but you gotta yeah. hit up Sam's club. I'm a yeah. fan of the Sam's club. Yeah. I see. I don't get into those places, man. I just, I think my wife once a month might go up to, it may not be Sam's. It's the other one. What's the other one? Costco. Costco. I think they, my, and it's more or less my mother-in-law cause she just loves going up there. Uh, <laughs> they would make a Costco run, uh, but I can tell you there's not one time that I've ever said, oh, man, when you go to Costco and get that, like, I, I just can't think of it. And, uh, yeah, man. But I will tell you that I did have seen some stores that they're limiting uh, items. In fact, I was on uh, Fort Bragg today, and they're limiting, like, far as meat. Like, you can only get two of this, two of that, two of this. Mm-hmm. And so I, I've seen that. But I haven't really – I'm not really the one that goes out shopping for groceries but I'll make sure to pay attention to some other stuff when I'm out there. Yeah. And plus, I mean, that things are supposed to be opening back up. I've definitely saw uh, in my commutes a lot of cars at daycare facilities. I've saw a lot more people out. Um, still, people taking the proper precautions and gloves, masks, etc. But um, you know, I've, uh, honestly, I haven't saw much change. Yeah, it's been busy. I can tell you, like just being out uh, and about this last week. It almost is like no one is closed. So there's mm-hmm. a much more activity. Whereas a month ago, yes, roads were bare. I mean, you were doing like two other people might have been on the road. Right. But I think people are over it. Uh, I, I am. <laughs> we appreciate your posts and feedback. One of the best ways to help out the show is to post a five-star review with your feedback on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts. This helps us grow the Route 16 Grind audience, and we also get a chance to hear from you. So if you love the show, please consider leaving us a five-star rating on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts today. The Outdoor Update is brought to you by Tuffy Security Products. Having your vehicle broken into is not a laughing matter. Trust Tuffy Security Products to stop opportunistic thieves. Tuffy is the industry leader in automotive security and provides peace of mind when you walk away from your rig. Durable and easy to install. Tuffy Security Products has adventure-ready consoles, drawers, and lockboxes available for you to organize your rig and secure your gear. Visit TuffyProducts.com and use special offer code GRIND to save 10% on your order. Remember to lock it up. Hey guys, welcome back to the Outdoor Update. This is the weekly segment where we provide you with stories, news, and information from the recent going-ons in the outdoor world. And as Brian mentioned previously, we're going to discuss the fate of the Pennsylvania teen involved in the viral deer torture video has been decided. Now, not to get too solemn with this podcast, obviously this is a issue that's very, very unfortunate and hits home very close to me um, when Brian brought to my attention earlier this week, because honestly, I stopped following this story. It was so vile to me. Um, but I, I did hear, you know, the huge spur that it you know, uproared back in the fall. Um, obviously, a uh, little to digress. Um, I grew up in southwestern Pennsylvania, and I I still have family up there, and I still avidly hunt the area. So when this got brought to my attention, I, w- I was just very, very upset over the whole thing, and especially seeing the video when they first released it. I, I, I just couldn't believe that, you know, something like this, somebody could have these thoughts, let alone put it on social media. But um, fortunately, there was actually two teens involved. Um, the reports have still not indicated what is happening to the other teen. But the one young man, uh, Smith is his last name. He actually received two years probation. Um, 
again, this is a teenage kid. He was, uh, help me, Brian, maybe seven, 16, 17 years old. Um, in my opinion, old enough to know what the heck he was doing. But um, initially, they were going to try him as an adult um, with felonious charges that were initially procured, and then they dropped them the misdemeanor charges. Ultimately, now months later, they, they dropped all of those and um, just hit him with two years probation and you know no official charges. Um, with that came 200 hours of community service. And lastly, that young man will have his, um, not only in the state of Pennsylvania, but uh, the whole greater United States uh, hunting license privileges revoked for 15 years. They encourage him to speak out on his incidents, um, to involve himself in public speaking at local hunter safety schools, um, schools in general, and, you know, multiple youth groups were part of his obligations. So, um, I don't know, Brian, what's, what's your stance on this? Obviously I have some really, really ill feelings towards it. Um, being an outdoor person who's passionate about the outdoors and a conservationist as well as just a humanitarian. And, um, it, for those of you folks who are not uh, familiar with this incident, they, two teenage boys, one of which was the uh, stepson of a local sheriff's deputy, um, uh, mortally wounded a male deer, a buck, um, so to where this animal could not flee or escape. And in, upon approaching the animal, the one young man who still has not been tried, um, the, the young male that has been sentenced was the one actually committing the actions. The other young man was, um, videotaping via Snapchat. They proceeded to kick the deer in the face, torture the animal. Again, a, an animal that was gravely wounded and couldn't flee and uh, proceeded to post that all over social media. Snapchat was one of the ones that was referenced in the charges. So uh, just an unfortunate incident, lack of supervision, uh, lack of teaching, and ultimately lack of responsibility for two young men that were old enough to hunt, carry weapons, and go out and you know actively participate in the sport. Yeah, I think uh, if you, you hear the thing of, you know, hey, I'm responsible enough, uh, don't treat me like a kid, et cetera. Um, well, that comes with accountability. You need to act the part. And, you know, when you have, you obviously have these uh, rights to go out and, and, you know, do these things and, and enjoy them. You need to act responsibly with them. And it, this is this is really tough, you know, because I think the easy out is, well, they're kids. Well, you know what? They're old enough to know. Um, they're, they're very much old enough to know on top of it for them to be hunting in their state. They had to go through some training, uh, to be able to hunt, uh, if you will. Um, so I just, I have a very hard time with this. I think the punishment they receive, I I'm fine with it in, in many aspects because these guys could easily be behind jail, behind bars in jail. Uh, I think they have an opportunity to improve and I'm all about that right there where, you know, these guys made a very stupid mistake. And this one gentleman is the first one to receive punishment for it. Um, I, I, I think there has to be some type of punishment out there. I think there needs to be something to say that this is not who we are as hunters. This is not who we are as citizens of that state, if you will. Um, you don't dispatch and you know, when you, when you wound an animal and it's not, you know, 
in a point where it's dead or in the process of death, you there is a proper way to dispatch that animal humanely. And this was not it. On top of it, with the social media thing, if you do not nip that in the butt immediately, this will cause a trending thing. Um, and this is the stuff where they can take the higher ground instead of sulking in their rooms or, you know, why the system's so against them and blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying they're doing that. I'm just, you know, putting the extreme on it. They could actually take the high road and have, and tell their story to others and let them learn from it because there are mistakes that I made in life. And the only difference is not in this situation. Of course, I've never done something as cruel as this in my life. But there's been dumb things I've done where, you know, on stream, this guy and that guy's, I didn't get caught. But when this happened or whatever, uh, or, you know, something that where I could be punished, you know, with, you know, I, the only difference is this person got caught and I didn't. And, but I learned the lesson. Um, and it's, it's not, I'm not, I'm glad that these guys got caught because there's people out there that don't get caught. And this should resonate with other hunters and other young hunters or anyone that feels that this is okay. Uh, this is a life you're taking, period. It's a life. You need to respect it. You know, I think you brought up a great point that, that you know, unfortunately, I even overlooked was because I, I view this uh as such an isolated incident, because if this happens, then maybe I, I, you know, surround myself with the proper peer group because I, I've never saw something so malicious as this in all of my years of hunting or, uh, you know, the, the stories that you hear with the other people at deer camp. Um, you know, I, I didn't even view it as how ill of light this is going to bring to, you know, hunters as a whole with, you know, in the wrong hands. Look, this is how all hunters are. This is why we shouldn't have guns. You know, it's like, you know, that th that is the less than one percent that shouldn't, you know, label a bias towards, you know, people that actually, uh, you know, go out and humanely like you said, kill, even if there is a mortally wounded animal, there are proper and humane ways to dispatch animals. It happens. But, you know, that, that type of light that they've brought to the outdoor industry is just saddening. And does the punishment fit the crime? You know, who, who, who am I or anybody to judge? Um, I do think it's a little bit light uh, just because essentially it's like, yeah, you can't hunt for 15 years and you got to do some community service and check in with a probation officer. But, you know, essentially you to check all the boxes and you're free and clear to go for something that was, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty devastating, I think. And especially for, oh, and if any of you guys feel compelled to you know, appeal this or write into a local congressman or something. This uh, incident took place in Jefferson County. So um, definitely something that if you have a strong opinion on, um, please, you know, feel free to write and <laughs> share your opinion on it. And, you know, as well as leave us a review and let us know what you think. Cause hey, like I said, and, and I know Brian empathizes as well. It's, it's, it's a tough one because it's, what do you do? Because they are so young, but are they, they are old enough to know what they did wrong. So it, it's definitely, it, it was a rock and a tough one, but 
you know, I, hopefully they learn their lesson to be, to be optimistic. Hopefully as part of their, uh, obligations, they do go and do some public speaking. They do say, Hey, this is like, this is not it. I don't know. I, I was trying to act cool in front of my friend, in front of all my social media friends. I was, uh, I was dumb, you know, what, whatever way they want to shake it. But I hope that they're, you know, they take something positive from this and uh, it never happens again. The Red Warren Badge says you're equipped to handle anything, ready to conquer any challenge that may come your way. That badge has stood for off-road excellence for more than 70 years. During that time, we haven't stopped innovating or striving for perfection. Be ready. Be prepared. Go Warren. When you hear the calls, you know we have a report from the field. Now, this past weekend, this last Friday, I was able to take off work, so I appreciate my boss and letting me go free. And uh, Saturday, I went uh, turkey hunting. It's the last two days of turkey hunting here in North Carolina. So on Friday, my son and I, we got up really early. We got up like four, and we hit the road, and we're already in our spot at like six o'clock. And I think sunrise at that day was, I want to say, 618, 620, something like that. So we're in our spot, and we are here. Like, literally, when I was getting out of the Jeep into our spot and the area, and was walking to it, we're already hearing gobbles. Like, they're on the roost, and that, that lasted a while. And then daylight came. We couldn't get these guys to come off the roost at all. We went and did, moved around a little bit, did a little scouting. You know, I showed them, like, hey, here's some tracks, whatever. And I'll be honest with you, like uh, it, the wind started picking up. It just did was not just wasn't a day. It, they just were not moving, weren't coming. And I'm at a point where I'm still my son's still young to hunting. So I didn't want to give him full misery just yet. I want him to still be excited. So about one o'clock, we just called it that day. We're like, OK, man, they're not coming. And the wind is picking up more and more. And I mean, it was like some heavy wind. So we're like, you know, what, man, let's just let's just head out. Uh, so that was that, that day that the next day I went out with a buddy of mine. Um, and we went to the same property. We were about the same routine, all that we get set up. Exactly. We got there earlier. We're at five 30. We're already in the area. Cause I had a little better spot. I said, man, they're roosted over here. I did a lot of, my son and I actually did a lot of scouting on Friday too, uh, for about like an hour and a half, that last hour and a half of hunt. And we we're just already like just doing a lot of scouting and we're finding some really good spots. And so my other friend, uh, we went out there, same thing. We're calling them. We're hearing some calls. Uh, we, we were set up. He has some really good decoys. I got the like cheapy foam decoys. Uh, I'll be straight up with you. His decoys. I like, holy cow, dude. These are like, yeah, he put, he spent some money on his and they're really sweet. And we are, we're getting some calls back. I mean, you're hearing the gobbles not coming out. So the, the great thing, this, that one property I was telling you about that I went and got my first turkey on, um, the, uh, there's a pond. So about 10 o'clock, we're like, screw it. We went fishing. So we went fishing for a little bit. Then we went and scouted all across the fields and stuff like that. We're picking up on deer tracks. We're doing all sorts of stuff out there. And then I think about, uh, what was it about? I want to say about noon, we went back into uh, a blind area, uh, that we had in a different corner of a large field and then some. So it's, it buttons up next to a chicken farm. Then somebody started cutting the grass over there. And I was like, you son of a gun, dude. So I just looked at him. He looked at me. We're like, dude, well, he's like, yeah, man. Hey, I'm going to head back. I said, cool. So I had, 
a buddy that he has a bunch of family property. He hit me up actually the day before, the day when my son was hunting with me and said, Hey man, you want to go out tomorrow morning? And I was like, and his spot, I'm telling you, is you have turkeys there. Like this is the same spot that, uh, my son did his first turkey hunt on. If you remember, uh, episodes, a few episodes ago, um, this turkey's galore out there. It took everything in my in me to go, nah, man, I got a buddy. I didn't want to screw my other buddy over, man. <laughs> so I was like, nah, I already got something planned out. And the, the, that, that dude's land, it's a, it's a privilege for me to go out there. So I, I'm not just going to like throw all my friends at it. He, it, you know, it's a very, uh, covenant place. So for him to invite me out there, uh, it's, it's kind of a big deal. And so I was like, yeah, I'm not going to abuse that. So I was like, no, nah, I got a buddy where I got a spot we're going to go to. And so, and he's like, yeah, man, if you get a chance, we've got to do some work out here. Uh, we'd love to have you out here and, you know, you can help us out and stuff. I said, yeah, sure. So I hit him up, said, hey, dude, you got time. Um, I'm more than happy to help you do some stuff. So it's a, it's, it's a large property. Uh, they, they lease out and everything. So I went and met them and I helped them clear a bunch of brush. They're getting up some uh, tree stands for archery season for deer his other buddy's a big you know bow hunter uh dude they're doing some amazing work out there and so i do this all the way till about three o'clock i get out to his property i want to say let's say you know one twelve thirty one whatever it was and uh i'm clearing brush doing all that with them now i've been up since like i want to say three in the morning <laughs> okay so i'm freaking tired and uh then I was like, Hey man, you want to finish out the day? He's like, I gotta go run. I gotta get my wife something for mother's day. Um, he's like, yeah, you're more, ha- you're more welcome to hunt the property, uh, and stuff until, you know, the rest of the day. I was like, great. So they leave and I just go to a spot, sit till for about a half an hour, just dead silent. He told me a couple of spots that he found some action, but I get this one corner in a field that is a moneymaker like that I took my son on that we learned like there is consistent action all the time on and I'm sitting there and I'm calling, calling, calling and it's nothing and it's starting to get a little windy. So I was like, shit. So I get up and I walk down this one area where I know that sometimes they, uh, you know, go out and do some dusting and everything. And I literally walk up on one and there was a deer in flight. No kidding. About 10 yards from me. And this is where that hunter, ethics come involved like i don't think it Ethan, you can correct me i don't think it's illegal to shoot a, a turkey off of roost or in flight but it's not something that hunters do um yeah. it's not really a challenge to shoot a dirk a turkey in the air the thing's like a freaking giant like one of those giant bumblebees you know that you see that you can can't believe that flies <laughs> turkeys are like that like you're like what the hell is this and they're pretty agile too when it's in flight but uh i, I just no way what was in me in the sport of it okay remember this is a sport that i'm gonna shoot a turkey in flight now if i'm a hungry hunter freaking and my family is counting on me bring some protein home freaking i don't know man I, i'm not in that situation though uh i'm like no i'm good good, whatever. So, Hey, all right. One for the turkeys. Good to go. And so I, I walk around, I do a little bit more scouting. Cause now I'm in the mode of scouting of like, okay, deer season later, where, where's a good place to put up another tree stand, all that kind of stuff like that. And I get back and then I go to another spot on the opposite side of that corner. I was telling you about nothing. I'm hearing a couple gobbles. I'm calling, hearing a couple gobbles, calling nothing. 
So I was like, you know, I'm going to check the spot my buddy was talking about. So I go there and I got, it's dead silent there. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go back to my moneymaker. So as I'm walking back, there's this very narrow trail. I want to say it's like maybe, you know, like five yards wide, if you will. Right. Not very wide. I'm walking up there and I'm seeing easily what I, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, that's a little over a hundred yards. I could see a, uh, I could go ahead and see a hen and she's walking into the field because this little trail walks into a giant field that, you know, corn, think of a giant cornfield, but it's been plowed and planted right now. So you got tiny little sprouts going in there right now. And I see this hen walking out. And then what do you think's behind that hen? Freaking gobbler, full strut, all shoulders up high, head tucked in, you know, fan all out. I'm like, holy cow. And so I'm literally scooting my feet. Like I'm talking like micro inches, like little by little, trying to get a tiny bit closer. And I'm thinking, okay, well, it might take me 20 minutes to close this distance here. <laughs> and I noticed the hen stopped and was like, look, cause these things see so good. So I just stopped. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stop and I'm not doing anything and whatnot. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to get into this brush and I'm going to call. So I started calling. Now, I don't have a decoy out. I started calling, and I'm hearing the gobbles and stuff like that, but it's not coming to me. And this goes on for about 30 minutes. And then finally, totally, he already has two hens with him, totally not interested. And then I hear a little bit of a commotion, and then they flew off. And I'm like, son of a gun, dude. Those are my opportunities. And so sunset was like, is let's say, 8 o'clock. I was out there till 7 p.m., man. So I took the last day of turkey season. I literally used every ounce of energy, multiple territory, multiple places, everything to try and close the deal. But turkeys beat me that day, man. I had some good opportunities, but wrong position at the time. Um, And I should have stayed it. And I'll tell you, I should have had the patience to stay at that first spot. If I would have stayed at that first spot, they would have walked right by me. And you know what? I would have a friend in my freezer. (laughs) So yeah, man, but you know, I'm, I'm kind of sad about, you know, Turkey season coming to close. I, I I tell you that it's just, so there's a lot of energy in Turkey hunting for those of you, at least for me, uh, those of you who may not have done it. And I, I last year uh, going out with Chuck uh, pushed a bug in me, but being a little bit more independent this year and getting out there on my own and learning on my own, uh, bringing my son out uh, and stuff. I'm telling you, like, yes, I find tur- I can see why people love turkey hunting. There is so it is truly uh, a challenge with these things. People might drive by them like they're dumb little things, but you can't bait them. And there's a, there's a skill involved in understanding their mannerism and stuff where with deer, I'm not saying there's not a challenge, but like here, there's a lot of tree stand hunting and you, you can put out bait and you can get used to the routine. You have your cameras up and all that. There's a lot more things going for you. Whereas with, with Turkey, you got some, a lot of things going against you. So I'm, I'm kind of sad that Turkey season's over, but I'm ready for next year. Absolutely. Yeah, you got to start to look forward to bear and archery deer seasons. <laughs> yeah, man. And then, you know what? It's not over. The, the turkey season is not over either because, um, you know, our good friend uh, Daniel up at Reboot Outdoors in Maine, it's it's going on. It's Dude, they got some big turkeys up there. Uh, mm-hmm. If you haven't, you guys haven't gone to Reboot Outdoors uh, uh, 
Instagram page anytime soon or Facebook. Give them a follow. Give them a like. They do some great things uh, with veterans and stuff like that. Uh, you can go back to one of our shows. Uh, uh, it's it's uh, I don't remember what episode it was. Um, Reboot Yourself was the title, but talking that's an amazing interview but he has some really good oh my gosh his gobblers dude yeah they're 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 beasts and you might be going out uh, up to pennsylvania right mm, oh yeah about another week or so within the next week i'll be out and I, i've there's some scouting reports of some some that look like paintbrushes hanging off of these birds <laughs> Yeah, dude, they had some big beards, dude. So that's the way I look at it. So we, you know, even though uh, I missed the opportunity, I was totally like, cause I was hitting up, uh, my friend Chris, who has that property. Um, I, I was like, yeah, man, they closed a deal, but you know what? That just means they're going to be longer beards, bigger spurs, and uh, more meat next year. So <laughs> that's how I look Absolutely. at it. <laughs> but hey, what are some things that we could be doing outside of turkey season, man? Yeah. So that's another great point I wanted to bring up. So, you know, kind of, going to pivot back towards, you know, sharing some of my, uh, my little nuggets of knowledge. We're going to talk about some scouting, some fishing, uh, you know, how, how you can prep your land for the upcoming seasons. You know, I, I do, I, you, you, you hit it pretty much straight on, you know, it, for me that high risk, high reward, you know, like I, I mentioned when I first came on, I will literally, you know, target one specific buck for years. And that's not to mention that I may or may not tag out for that year. But like I, I, I get to the point to where, you know, they're named. Uh, I, I watch them grow. I get the class of them. And, you know, up until they get to a certain class is when I'll, I'll harvest, you know, that trophy animal. So for me, that's kind of where it gets me going. But, you know, there's always a special place in my heart for turkey hunting. I mean, that 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 gobble, you know, it, it's I think it's fast paced. I think it's warmer out. I think, you know, it, it the things happen really, really quickly and develop so fast that it's got a high curb appeal as to where like archery hunting, you know, you can sit out there for a month straight every night for, you know, for hours on end. And for that one opportunity to see them, you know, it's, it's, you can pattern them all you want, but they, these big bucks, these big mature mysterious bucks, they'll, they'll go nocturnal on a heartbeat and you'll never see them until, you know, a year and a half, two years later, you, you think they're gone, but they're not. Um, so I definitely am going to get into scouting really in depth. Um, going to make some episodes to where, you know, we'll, we'll get down into the nitty gritty of not just the basics of what you're going to look for, but you know, uh, um, how you can utilize food plots, how you can utilize the seasons to your advantage, um, different lunar cycles, different barometric pressures, and you can kind of wean these down into your hunting season and, you can do it all without bait. So, you know, we're going to go into that real in depth fishing. Fishing's coming up, man. It's trout season. Uh, for a lot of you guys that like to get out there with fly rod or spinning combo wading in the streams that has a place in my heart. Um, well, we're going to touch on that, uh, as well as, you know, the spawn for bass fishing's kicking off here. Um, it's about in full swing right now for here, maybe on the uh, downslope, especially if you're working your way up north as the waters are getting warmer. Those big females are going to start sitting on their beds and the males are out hunting. So, uh, you know, was, there's definitely some exciting stuff coming up and a lot of new knowledge and a lot of opportunities to improve your skill sets. And you can't forget, I am definitely going to finish that series on how to build your bow. 
And Brian, get ready because we are going to use you as an example. <laughs> I'm ready. We'd like to feature your successes and outdoor adventures. So shoot the pics over to us with a brief story. Route16.com and select contact. That's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X.com and select contact. On Target. Welcome to the On Target segment, where you receive the inside scoop on brands, products, and training that can help you step up your hunt and range game. This week, Ron from Riker USA covers packing. Now, we are not talking about which compact, stock in, stock out, accessory that you might have in arm's reach. He'll be discussing what I would call purpose packing. What's up, everybody? It's Ron with Riker USA coming to you on the Route 16 Grind podcast with this week's On Target segment. We're going to talk about something that we all do every single day, and we probably don't give it as much thought as we should, and that is packing. Packing is a necessity. It's tedious and sometimes a huge pain in the ass. Depending on the mission depends on the kit, the gear, the equipment that you're going to need or is required for you to do whatever activity you're going forward to do. It doesn't matter if this is an overnight bag, moving to a new house, a military move. You need to have a plan, a well thought out plan. Write it down, draw a picture, make a PowerPoint. It doesn't matter. Have a plan. Now, the most important thing you can do with this plan is share the plan. If you guys are going on a family camping trip and you packed everything, put it in the truck and you get to the campsite and you tell another family member to go grab something, they don't know exactly where it is. They're going through everything, making a mess and disrupting your precious little plan that you made. And it's your fault because you failed to share the plan. So knowledge is power, guys. So don't just keep it to yourself. Share it so everybody can be efficient and you guys can all learn from each other. I learned the most about packing, or should I say not packing, from cold weather reconnaissance. I'm talking about 125 pounds of gear on your body, a 200-pound one-man sled with all the team gear in it, while on skis in three foot of snow. And I'm not talking about tracks. I'm talking about breaking trail. And when you're in this environment and you're you're putting a high volume of physical output in here, ounces are pounds. I'll say that again. Ounces are pounds. The lesson I learned through trial and error was I I basically was an overpacker. And I used to think that I needed all this gear to do my job, and that mindset ended up hurting my performance. Basically, a rookie move. After my first cold weather patrol, I started to realize that I didn't use maybe half the stuff that was in my bag, and I had to come up with a better way to keep myself proficient and efficient and not get burnt out because I was carrying too much equipment. This is where my transformation started, and what I did is I grabbed every piece of gear and I laid it out nice and organized in front of me, and I asked myself, I grabbed each piece of gear, and I said, would I use this? How many times would I use it, and could I go without it, or do I have something else in my bag or in my kit that does the same thing? If I could not give myself a 100% yes, I will use this, it didn't go. It didn't get packed. It got set to the side. The next thing I learned is to trust my gear. The what if game will be what forces you to overpack. Trust your gear. It was designed to keep you alive depending on what you're doing. It was designed to work with you. 
to support your mission, to support your activity. So trust your gear. So now you need to evaluate your everyday carry, your vehicle setup, your emergency go bag, the next time you pack for a trip. Every time I pack, I always fall back on my cold weather experience. To add to this, your packing should be deliberate, meaning every piece of gear has a specific spot, location, in the bag, in your vehicle, it doesn't matter. If it comes out, it goes back into the same place it came from. Think about this in a worst case scenario. Broken down on a cold, dark, rainy night, no cell service, you grab your go bag and everything you need and it's easy to get to because you made a plan, you packed it a specific way and your plan is going to help you succeed. Now, something else that we did in cold weather, and I say this for the people who are doing camping or hiking and overlanding, uh, you have to bring your trash out. You can't you can't just leave your trash in on these trails and wherever you're at if you're out hunting and stuff like that. So one of the things that we did is we laid out all of our rations, our cold weather MREs in front of us. And we got the idea to break everything down and compartmentalize it into its own individual Ziploc bag. We had it measured out so we knew what the portions were so we wouldn't overeat or undereat. And run out of food if we overate uh, in the middle of, you know, a 15 day cold weather patrol, which is not a good look. Sidebar, why I love cold weather training more than hot weather or jungle training was because you had to stop. You had to eat. You had to make shelter. Uh, not the case when working in the jungle. Back on topic. Um, so what we ended up doing on our team, on our, our six man our six-man reconnaissance team, we sat down and we came up with our plan and everybody broke their chow down to include the extra emergency rations in the sled. And across our team, we eliminated 11 pounds of trash, 11 pounds. Now, remember what I said at the beginning, ounces are pounds. We eliminated 11 pounds. That in itself is just that little piece of motivation that you need going forward, going out there to do that mission, knowing like, man, I'm a couple pounds lighter because we did this. It was all worth it. So rehearsals, practice, making a plan, all these things, there's a common theme here. All they're doing is helping you succeed at what you're going to do, whether that be uh, an overland trip, you know, backcountry trip with, with your Jeep, with your truck, a hunting trip, if you're going after turkey or deer, Having a plan and understanding and thinking it all the way through and making sure you have the right equipment, the right equipment to do the job and not too much equipment to impede the impact in your performance. So packing, think about it, make a plan, have a plan, follow the plan and share the plan. All right, guys, have a great week. Talk to you soon. Want to support the show? How about becoming a Route 16 Grind Patreon today for as little as a buck a month? This is not just a contribution, but an investment that goes directly to the show. Help this podcast expand and grow. Check out our show notes for the links in our Patreon page. Hey, this is Nikki D. And I uh, want to say congratulations on uh, bagging a turkey. I know you, you've earned it. You've worked hard for it. Uh, it reminds me of the first time I... Got my first turkey. I set up my blinds, waited for hours, and 
couldn't quite get the turkey call right. Yeah, it was a rough day for me. Not as rough as it was for the food lion uh, meat counter manager. He didn't seem to appreciate it too much. Yeah, I know. All right, guys. Uh, keep up the good work. Enjoy the show. I'll chat to you later. In the Rock, Mud and Dirt is brought to you by Warren Industries. At Warren, we pour our effort and our thirst for adventure into every product we make. You better believe American pride runs deep here in Clackamas, Oregon. Here, a small army of engineers, technicians, machinists, and assemblers design and refine Warren products, bringing them as close to perfection as possible. Their work is backed up by legendary quality control that doesn't just stand up to rigid Warren standards. It lives up to the toughest demands of the world's top vehicle manufacturers and military suppliers. How do we know? Because they've partnered with Warren for decades. This quest for peerless reliability, this Warren difference, will be around as long as Warren Industries is in business. At least another 70 years. Go prepared. Go Warren. Welcome to the Rock, Mud, and Dirt, the segment where I talk about the people, brands, and products and events from the off-road world. I don't know about you, but I live a pretty busy life. I always have something going on, and I like it that way. Given there are only 24 hours in a day, I find that time is the most valuable commodity there is. I can always make a dollar, but I can never make get a minute back. And if you're like me, you understand this too. Bottom line, your time is valuable. That is what I love about podcasting. You could be wrenching on your rig, looking at new parts, sending us an email for to order those new parts for you while all listening to the podcast. But what about those times where you might not have an hour or more? Yes, you can pause and come back or just listen to the podcast from the beginning again. But for folks like me, I like to have the time to listen to the full show. Now, if you have 10 minutes, which you probably do, then you need to check out 10-Minute Off-Road, hosted by the one and only, you ready? Nikki G. Now, you might be thinking this might just be a comedy show. Well, Nikki G, being Nikki G, of course, there's a flair of humor. But the show focuses on some serious questions you might have with contributions from knowledgeable and established off-road veterans from the YouTube-averse. I just made that up. Some questions like, What should come first, winch or lockers, snorkels, yes or no, tent or hammock camping, or one of my favorites in episode four, Nikki asked about vehicle maintenance. One of the great things about this podcast is you can listen to it on Podbean or you can listen to it on YouTube while watching random Nikki G wheeling videos. The YouTube channel is my recommendation. So if you have 10 minutes to check out this great new show, you should check it out. And while you're there, make sure to subscribe and leave a nice comment for Nikki G. And yes, questions for future shows are highly encouraged. 10-Minute Off-Road is also found on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I uh, I had no idea, Brian, that he had his own YouTube channel. It came out of nowhere. Uh, I was like, what? What? I saw something fly across with 10-Minute Off-Road. I wasn't sure what it was. And then I was like, lo and behold, that's Nikki G. And I, I tell you, I've listened to each one of the shows. There's four shows out so far. Each one of the shows. Um, I, I do enjoy the YouTube experience with it because some of those videos 
are some that, you know, maybe I was on that different trail ride or whatnot. You just don't know. Uh, and <laughs> as it brings some really good perspective in Nikki G, I mean, he, he is a humorous fellow and there are, there is humor, uh, in there, but the questions and responses from some of these very smart individuals who also have their YouTube channels that are very popular, uh, the contributions they have within there, I, I literally, think that you got 10 minutes, uh, you're an off-road type of guy, gal, you should go move over and uh, check out Nikki G's because there there are some good responses and not everyone has the same template response and they're not, not just yes, no questions. They're actually articulated responses and there's some funny ones in there too. Of course, it's a Nikki G show. So I highly encourage you guys to check it out. And Nikki G, we're so proud of you, man. And uh, we'd love to support you too. Good job, Nikki. I'm going to be checking you out tonight. Want to be on the show? Maybe share with us some interesting hunting, fishing, overlanding, wheeling, or adventuring news? Then give us a call at the Route 16 Grind Hotline at 919-694-3356, and maybe you will be on our next show. Since 1989, Tuffy Security Products has been the industry leader in automotive security. Tuffy has a variety of vehicle-specific consoles, drawers, and lockboxes. Tuffy manufacturers adventure-ready organization and security for your Jeep truck or suv visit tuffyproducts.com and use special offer code grind to save 10 percent on your order the cup of joe segment is brought to you by sea steak coffee have you ever actually drank good coffee stop wasting your money on old stale coffee from the store and make the switch to sea steak coffee Sea State Coffee is a United States Marine Corps veteran-owned and operated roastery, selling premium coffee that's roasted on order and delivered fresh to you. Order your coffee today at www.seasteakcoffee.com. Wow, that was a good one. That was a really good one. I uh, I enjoyed it a lot. We touched on some, you know, more serious topics. Got to learn that Nikki G has a. Uh, has a good YouTube channel, and I definitely want to, you know, get some more of his comedic levity in my life. You know, uh, he he's kind of always had a YouTube, like a Nikki G channel, but this is his podcast, man. So he technically has two YouTube channels. So he has the podcast that runs on Podbeam and records on YouTube. Then he has, I'm not sure if he's still doing the Nikki G one or not, but uh, yeah, so yeah, he's got two of them. Yeah. And, uh, we touched a little bit more on turkey season. I know that you're sad on that. I've, I'm sorry. Uh, only another 365 till we get to play in the woods. You again. know, I have another buddy. The fact the guy I went turkey hunting with on Saturday, uh, mm-hmm. he's going up to Pennsylvania too. He has family up there. What's funny is I have family up there as well. I just know that I'm not going to find the time to go up there uh, while it's in season to, to go turkey hunting. <sighs> I wish I could, but it just ain't going to happen. Yeah, I don't know how I'm finding the time, but I, I guess it, it, more appropriately, I'm making the time. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually, no, quite, uh, did, all right. <laughs> quite selfishly, I'm going to make turkey hunting fit into my schedule. We are actually going up for the missus's 40th birthday and, you know, just some visitation. You, but you know, somehow, this is recorded, right? <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> so, but somehow I'm going to wake up early and be in the woods and hopefully be back by the time people are getting up for their morning coffee isn't that how it is like you have it in your mind like yeah man i want to be done by nine o'clock in the morning i want to be done and i'll tell you what though like the property i was talking about i know next year i absolutely 
I is it looks good to be done by 9 a.m. If you are in there and you're in those money spots, I'm telling you, success. I have never seen so many turkeys in the field there, any other place in North Carolina. Now, where you're going to, uh, you're like in family property, right? So you kind of have a little bit of isolation as well. So you should, you, it's a good chance you could be successful. It's private family land, but here's the thing: it, it's it's a good parcel of acreage. The thing is, the turkeys aren't, how might I describe, like how you describe this to just be like a turkey haven. They're just bountiful. You know, there, there isn't a huge flock. I'd go as far as to say like maybe one twenty to 30 turkey flock. But the flock does have, you know, a, a considerable amount of big toms, gobblers, like, you know, 10 plus inch bearded gobblers with, you know, Damn. sprinkle a few jakes. And, you know, the rest are hens and pullets, which are the babies or whatever. You know, they, you know there's not a, 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 a buttload of turkeys to where you just see them, see them, see them, see them, see them. But when you do, they are quality, you know, gobblers. So they got to hunt hard. Um, the scouting report indicates that, hey, you, you might spend a few days. You might spend a day chasing them around, you know, but uh, and it's hard to get them patterned. They don't want to cooperate. There's been a few cold fronts. It's been some rain that's kept them, you know, de- uh, kind of hunkered down. So I, I'm I'm excited, but I'm anticipating a hard hunt, especially since I'm going to do it with a bow. Um, so right. my success rates already, the odds are against me. But if I can pull this off, I'm, I'm going to be stoked. Yeah, keep us posted, man. I hope you get one, and we hear it in from the field. Now, you know, uh, switching gears here, uh, the stuff Ron talked about, it's a bit of a little background. So Ron, like myself, he was also a reconnaissance uh, of radio operator. So um, you already have half the space or less than everybody else to put stuff in. Uh, you're already starting at like 35 pounds of gear before you even get to, Hey, I'm going to bring up one pair of extra socks, you know, like stuff like that. So there's, there's all that space that's already taken up and, and you naturally in that skill set learn and realize what's valuable, what's not, because you got to carry that and you got to fight with it. And um, I love how he brought in that aspect of the cold weather training that, cause that's so true. Um, you know, more gear equals more maintenance, but it also equals more gas. And that equates to even if you are traveling on your back or traveling in a vehicle, you have to consume more calories and you're using up more energy. You're carrying more stuff. And, you know, that stuff has to be taken care of. It has to, there's all sorts of things that go along with it. So you have to be smart about what you're packing for and also what you really need and the things that you might need, like your first aid stuff that people sometimes just totally neglect. You know, every time you go out in the field, even if it's for a quick fish or a quick hunt, you should have a first aid kit. You should, yes, share the information. Hey, let people know where you're at. These are all things that we already know, but we need to always keep the basics and employ them and apply them. Yeah, so I know y'all probably heard me chuckle a couple times just because it's like, I I completely, you know, just enjoy him for bringing in... You know, because all all three of us have had very, very similar military training and experiences, but I enjoy his uh, 
associations he can make with some of these different, you know, SOCOM style trainings as well as, you know, conventional military trainings and make them relevant for, you know, just your everyday average person who does EDC or who does wheeling, camping, et cetera. And when he said that, I'm like, oh, there we go. I was right back to Mountain Leaders course, which I went through in Bridgeport. And, you know, that's that's the token saying ounces equal pounds. You know, that mountain will make a man out of it. It's so true. You're you're like, I want to get rid of everything right now. I was just like, I was like tingling all over because I did it too. I made that rookie mistake. I was, uh, just a little insight. I I was with conventional forces when I went through, um, mountain leaders course. And then the cold weather package, I was actually a platoon sergeant and the, uh, intelligence chief. So I, you know, I had my whole platoon and whatever, and you know, we're gone and you're trying to help out your junior Marines and stuff like that. And I was taking way too many creature comforts. I tell you what, that first time that we went up to 14,000 feet, you know, Silver Creek Grouse Meadows, shout out to y'all who've been there. Uh, you know, you, you get about it. I think it's only like 10 or 14 miles too. you know, we've done humps twice that long. Uh, you know, it, 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 and flat ground though, you know, more desert style environments, but you'll get like four, six miles into it. And you're like, I regret everything. <laughs> like if I could just throw this crap out in the snow to the left of the trail, I would, you know, the, the coffee you thought you wanted or needed the, the extra, you know, socks or whatever you, you really start to, uh, he said, lay all your gear out. And we actually had a term to junk on a bunk. You lay it all out. And you really start to consider, like he said, if there isn't a definite, yes, I will use this daily or this is essential, it goes not oh. with you either. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, yep. You learn that quick. And, uh, you know, yeah, things things have to have a true purpose for you. And then, hey, you know what? Real quick, I want to make sure this show to give a shout out. Shout out to Steve from Black Dagger Military Hunt Club in Tampa, Florida. Now, the reason I want to do this shout out, and I'm hoping to bring this group on at some point, uh, during uh, a future show, but I was really reaching out to different people and groups and stuff to try and find someone in the Tampa area to my friend, uh, work colleague who actually works and lives down there, uh, has been listening to, you know, the show and, and really wanted to get into hunting. And I was like, man, if you lived up here, I totally would jump in there with you and help. So I reached out to a bunch of people and Steve from Black Dagger Military Hunt Club answered the call. They're going to probably give him a call this evening and within the next week or two, they might be out pig hunting, man, and get get him started on his journey. And I was talking to my friend today because he was, I think what it was too is, you know, because I've been trying to get my son into hunting and he, he's really taken to it now. And it's just that maturity kicks in and, and all those different things. I think I talked about in the show in November when he got that pig, but you know, it's, it's all those things. And, you know, he has a young son and he wants to do that with him. But yeah, Steve, uh, thank you so much for that. Uh, keep us posted. And definitely, uh, if you get a chance to get your organizations, we could sync up. I would love to bring Black Dagger Military Hunt Club, uh, on the show. That'd be really cool. Absolutely. I'd love to hear from those guys. I would love to hear a successful pig hunting story. And then, heck, I wouldn't mind going down and doing it myself. You know, and, and it goes with the theme, man. It takes a hunter to make a hunter. Uh, that's just so true. 
Um, and you know, when we talk about R3, I mean, I, you can just look at my own story. I mean, I, I did a little bit of hunting when I was a kid and I enjoyed it. Uh, I definitely can't say it, it was, uh, I looked at it anywhere close to I look at it right now. And it was me saying, I want to get back into it, taking it seriously, doing all the things I need to do to get the, you know, license, all that. And then finding the right person, uh, you know, I, hey, I want in every hour of my life in Turkey and I want to go. And, and, and Chuck was able to, and look where we're at now. And I, I know I say this a lot, guys, but you know what? You're that person too. You could be the person that could be the catalyst that energize someone else to take on that challenge they're looking for. And I know we talk about hunting, but we're also talking about like wheeling. Maybe uh, someone wants to learn how to do that. Maybe someone wants to get an overlanding. Maybe someone wants to take a, a an enduring hike where, you know, Appalachian Trail type of adventure you know, all these different things we within our entire community here have these resources available. And I really don't care what community within the show scope you're in. If you're in a wheeling community, there are people that hunt. There are people that are adventurous. There are people that overland and vice versa. There are people in hunting communities. Hey, they off road and such and such and such. And this is how we make each other better. It, you know, you're able to share your knowledge. I, I tell my son all the time, my youngest one, you know, knowledge is useless if you can't share it. The only reason that we have progressed as society is because people were able to take knowledge, expand on it, share it, and someone made that knowledge better. I mean, look at anything, any successes that we had, advancements in technology, medicine, whatever. It's because people shared knowledge. Well, we have that ability too. And this is the things that I feel as we share more knowledge, we're able to kind of have common ground in many different areas. We're not always going to agree on things. Lord knows, you know, how, with all this COVID thing, we're absolutely probably not going to agree on some things. But we can find grounds where we do agree and at least hold conversations. And that is what I love about all this stuff. It starts the conversation. So if you're one of these people that wants to get involved, you don't want to do, hey, tell you what. Go start, just get involved in these groups, and I guarantee you, you will find someone that is seeking your knowledge and you're able to assist them and be ready to do that. You, The reward itself is in the success of their transition into success. It's like, you know, that first turkey I got, that's all Chuck, man. I, I tell you that right now. I would never have that experience. And on top of it, that experience I was able to share with my son. Like, I mean, it took you know, Chuck to be involved in that process to get me to that point. So yeah, man, I appreciate it. And, you know, I'll probably say it on episode, you know, 1000. Hey, Chuck, I really appreciate it. Yeah. You know, and you never know what you like till you try it, you know, just because you didn't grow up with an uncle or father or whatever that took you out into the woods, took you hunting, you know, that doesn't mean you're, uh, it's never too late for you to just get out there and try it. You, you might enjoy it. I mean, if you enjoy the, the, the rewards of it and that's not just, you know, through the nourishment that that animal can provide you, but like, like Brian said, the experiences that you share with the people that, you know, you choose to participate in those hobbies with the same thing with going outdoors and wheeling, just being a part of the communities that we have at our disposal and the the camaraderie, the lifelong bonds and friendships and memories you're going to make. I highly encourage you guys to get involved with something outside of your comfort zone. You know, the last thing I kind of want to make sure I share before we wrap up this show is remember guys, C state coffee has that 10% discount going on. Just use grind 10 G R I N D the number 10 and you get 10% off your order at Sea State Coffee, 
Com. Thank you all for joining us. And remember, if you have an idea or maybe you'd like to contribute to one of our segments, all you have to do is go to Route16.com and select contact and let us know your idea. That's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X.com and select contact. Thanks for listening to the Route16 Grind. We want to thank our amazing sponsors, Warren Industries, Tuffy Security Products, Sea State Coffee, and Route 16 Off-Road for their support. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and more. Just look for Route 16. That's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X. Or just go to Route16.com. Until next week, plan smart, be safe, and as always, be prepared. Guess I'm going fishing. Yeah.